Welcome to the Sunny Hill podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Oh, okay. I've got a sermon about the Holy Spirit. I can do that one. Really good. And then thought, I'll, I'll, I'll hold back a little bit just to make sure it fits. Uh, and so I, I heard, uh, we heard the first message. So, yeah, okay, it'll fit that. Then the second message, yeah, okay, it'll fit that. And then Adam said something last week that really spoiled everything. Uh, because he was talking about what the Holy Spirit does. And he said the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And what we have to do is listen. And that ruined everything, you see, because I had everything prepared. You know, I didn't need God to do my sermon on the Holy Spirit because I've been doing it before and he always helps out and it's always great and it's lovely and everything like that. But for once, God said, actually, no, listen to me. Uh, which was slightly disturbing because, you know, when you sort of like got something that's, you know, sort of works and then all of a sudden you're sort of like in strange territory and you've never done it before. Uh, and so I thought, okay, let's start putting the sermon together. Let's start putting the message together this morning. And as you know, uh, every message needs to have a beginning, you know, a, an introduction, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if it's really good, then at the end, what you have to do is you have to tie your end bit up to your first bit in a clever and an interesting way. You see, and that is a well-crafted sermon. And so I was trying to put this together this, uh, this week. I, I haven't got a beginning. And so I thought, I'll be really honest with you this morning, I haven't got a beginning to my sermon. I've only got a middle. <laughs> and then an end bit. So, uh, what, <laughs> so I, was, I was reading the Bible, and uh, what I thought God was saying this morning, what's the word that God has got? What's the deep word that God has got this morning for everybody this morning? What is it that's deep and it, like seven layers down in the Bible that no one's ever seen before? And it was this. We get it? It's not working. C'est pas work. Yeah. Finn, help. Well, I got fresh air this morning. <laughs> the words uh, that I thought God was going to say uh, this morning was this. Let's go. I thought, oh, is that it? You know, I could come up with that myself. <laughs> Let's go. Because there's something about the Christian walk that sometimes we can get bogged down in, that sometimes we can get trudging through. And there's something actually when we're working and when we're talking about the Holy Spirit that God is sort of like saying, it's not like that. Let's go. Let's do something. Let's do something exciting. And so what I want to say this morning really is that, let's go. But not just yet. Okay. Shut the doors. So we've been looking at uh, Holy Spirit in the New Testament and the, one of the verses we looked at over the last week or so was Acts chapter 2, uh, which is when the day of Pentecost. Uh, and I won't do all of it because I'm quite Bible heavy this morning actually. Uh, but it says from Acts chapter 2 verse 5, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the sound of the rushing wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? 
This is how, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. I'm having a go at these. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? So often we can read the bits in the Bible that say this happened and this happened and this happened and we don't ask the question that these guys were asking here, what's going on then? What, what, what does this mean? Does this mean that this is it? Does this mean that finally God has achieved his ambition? Does this mean that finally God gets to do what he wants on the earth? Well, in a way, yes, but actually Acts chapter 2 Although we see it as being the formation of the church, the start of the church, it's not the end of the story. It's the start of the next chapter of the story, of, of the birth of the church. And um, when Adam was talking earlier, uh, he was quoting when we were doing uh, communion. He quoted from the book of Isaiah, which was in the Old Testament, 700 years uh, before Jesus was born and then he quoted from the New Testament and what I want to do today and what God was talking to me about this week I believe and I've learned stuff that I've never seen before in the Bible this week uh, you might have known it for years but it was new to me um, about how God can take something in the Old Testament and use it as a model as a picture as a type of what happens in the New Testament of what will happen it's a form of prophecy where God is demonstrating something in the Old Testament that is yet to happen. And there's all sorts of uh, stories like that that are in the Bible. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den is one uh, where God is with you in the trials and stuff like that. Uh, there's the one that I want to look at today is called the Akidah. Now, it's not the Welsh bit of the Bible. But, <laughs> but it sounds a bit like it, the Akidah. Uh, the Akidah is in Genesis chapter 22. And this is the story that is one, probably one of the best known stories that's in the Bible. It's the story of the sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. Okay, and it goes like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. I love donkeys. I'm just, I'm just like saying donkey. Uh, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey whilst I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Adam took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, and this is what the bit that everybody knows, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together 
When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to that day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Now it's interesting, this was a time when child sacrifice was quite common. And so it was not unusual in that culture for people to believe that they were, it was okay to sacrifice children to God, to their gods. This is a story, and it gets criticised because it's about child sacrifice. This is about stopping child sacrifice. This is about saying something that actually, God will never ask you to do something that goes against his nature. He will never get you to fulfil that. And there's something about the faithfulness and the love of God in a different culture. But that's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is these images and these pictures of God. And particularly... I want to ask this question. In this story, if this is a picture, golden dolphin, if this is a picture of what God is going to do in the New Testament that's contained in the Old Testament, then these people marry up to different peoples. So in this picture, we've got images God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this was interesting to me, this was exciting to me, because actually it's quite easy to see the picture of God the Father. Isn't it? You have God speaking to Abraham, but in this picture it's, God, it's Abraham who takes the role of the Father, who sacrifices his only son. And so in this picture, we have the picture of Abraham being God the Father. In this image, we have God the Son played, this is a theatre after all, played by Isaac. The role of Jesus is Isaac, the one who is sacrificed for the benefit of all. But where's the Holy Spirit? See, God doesn't do incomplete pictures. He doesn't do incomplete images. And so if you're saying, okay... If this is a picture, where is the Holy Spirit in this? And as I was reading this, it became very clear that the Holy Spirit is there. But he's not specifically mentioned. The Holy Spirit is the role of the servant. So Abraham and Isaac and the servants went on their donkey to this place 
Abraham and Isaac left the servants behind to go up to the mountain. Then we went through the Akidah, the, the, the sacrifice bit, and the picture of God's redemption providing himself a lamb. So, how does the Holy Spirit work? And how is this a picture of what God wants to do? What's very interesting when you read that uh, part of the Bible is that when the sacrifice bit was done, Abraham came back down the mountain to meet with the servants. But Isaac is not mentioned again. The chapters and chapters and chapters. The son is sacrificed, the sacrifice occurs, and then goes away out of the Bible for some time, leaving the Father and the Holy Spirit as the ones who are visible players. Now that's quite an interesting thought. So how does that work then? Well, if we move on to Genesis chapter 24, many years have gone by. It's working now. It is, yeah. Yeah. Abraham was now very old. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, the one who carried all of his gifts and and riches, put your hands under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from around here, from the daughters of the Canaanites amongst whom I'm living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was towards evening, the time the women go out to draw water. So what we have now We've moved on. This is still the same timeline, the same sort of picture, but we've moved on from the sacrifice into what happens next. What happens next is the father, Abraham, sends the servant to find a wife for his son. And that is mind-blowing. The father sends the Holy Spirit to send a wife for his son. And when we're talking about the Holy Spirit nowadays, when we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking about a nice feeling that we get when we're in church. We're not just talking about someone who gets us out of, uh, finds us a car parking space or anything like that. We're not talking about that sort of like B&Q Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has got a mission in this world. The Holy Spirit is here for a purpose. And the purpose is not just to help you and make you nice the Holy Spirit is here to find a bride for Jesus Christ that's why he's here that's why you're here today and that's why the Holy Spirit is part of your life and wants to be increasingly a part of your life not just for your sake but for the sake of Jesus for his sake because the Holy Spirit wants to find a bride that is worthy of marrying Jesus Christ imagine 
trying to be good enough to be good enough for Jesus. Imagine. So you have this image that the servant goes out and he takes with him ten camels. We'll talk about camels in a little bit. So they go out and they find this lady called Rebecca. And she's the one, she comes up and feeds. We don't have time to go into it all now. Uh, but I encourage you to read it. If you read it in this sort of mentality, in this sort of thinking, it blows your mind into what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are doing now. When Abraham's servant heard their decision that she was prepared to marry uh, Isaac, he bowed in worship before God. Then he brought out gifts of silver and gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave, them, gave expensive gifts to her brother and mother. He and his men had supper and spent the night. But first thing in the morning they were up. He said, send me back to my master. Her brother and mother said, let the girl stay a while. Say, another ten days and then go. Remember the, dis- the time period that Adam was talking about last week between the time that Jesus ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit coming? How long was that? Ten days. Oh, excited. Let the girl stay a while. Say another ten days and go. He said, oh, don't make me wait. God has worked everything out so well. Send me off to my master. They said, we'll call the girl. We'll ask her. They called Rebecca and asked her, do you want to go with this man? She said, let's go. I'm ready to go. So they sent off their sister Rebecca with her nurse and Abraham's servant with his men. And they blessed Rebecca, saying, You're our sister, live bountifully, and your children triumphantly. Rebecca and her young maids mounted the camels and followed the man. The servant took Rebecca and set off for home. Isaac was living in the Negev. He had, this is the first mention of Isaac since, in all these chapters. Isaac was living in the Negev. He could just come back from a visit to Beer to somewhere. In the evening, he went out into the field. Whilst meditating, he looked up and saw camels coming. I don't know, but I just get excited about this sort of stuff. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) You see, there's something that when you start looking and you do a Bible study thing, you know that everything means something and stuff like that. Well, camel. Camel isn't just a camel. A camel is representative of something. Camel it comes from the ancient Hebrew word gimel. Uh, gimel uh, is uh, a camel. And the camel is significant because it can carry life. It carries water. It carries reserves. A camel is a symbol of strength. A camel is a symbol of endurance. A camel is a symbol of persistence. And patience and steadiness. A camel is more than just a camel when it's in the Bible. It's a symbol of this. That the Holy Spirit, as a symbol, is bringing these camels, these gifts of strength and endurance and persistence. Kindness, goodness, patience, self-control. These are the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings us. Also, there's 10 of them. And 10 is the, in the Bible is the number of obedience and it's the number for responsibility, if you want to look into that. 
in any greater depth. So what we've got here is a picture in the Old Testament of what God wants to do, did in the New Testament and wants to do now. We have a picture of the Holy Spirit on a mission. Not just casually dropping by and if he's got time he's going to do something. He's on a mission from God the Father to find a bride. And that's you and that's me and that's everybody else around us. That doesn't make us special. It just means that we have to let people know that God is looking for someone to be his bride, his trusted confidant, his best friend. And he's bringing gifts. The camels are coming. <laughs> the camels are coming. <clears throat> Where are we now? Well, there's a point in the Bible where Jesus disappears. And that is mirrored back in Genesis when Isaac disappears. But there's a point in the Bible as well when Isaac reappears. And Jesus is going to reappear. And 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. An image of Isaac. And so and we believe that God will bring Jesus, will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For with the Lord himself will come, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever therefore encourage one another with these words the camels are coming the gifts are coming and Jesus is coming back at a time and in a way that you don't expect it at a time that's going to be surprising but Jesus is coming back in the same way that he's been uh, that Isaac was absent from the Bible, so Jesus has been absent from the earth for 2,000 or so years. But the Holy Spirit has been here. The picture of the servant has been here, finding the bride. And at one point, the bride of Christ will meet Christ himself. And we will be perfect. And we'll be made perfect, not by our own works, but by the works of the Holy Spirit. Revelation 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power be, belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. 
And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing on this earth at the moment. You may think, that you're not good enough. I've got to tell you the truth. You're not. We come to God imperfect. We come bringing fears and anxieties and problems. I've got something really cool you won't remember anything that I said this morning but you've got to remember this this is my anxiety that my sermon won't work that's me this this is my fear of talking in front of people This is the fact that I didn't read my Bible on Thursday. This, this is the fact that I didn't have a very good relationship with my dad. And we are made up of all of these insecurities. Not all the same. things that get in the way and the things that bog us down fill us up sometimes it feels like that doesn't it everything just pouring out But then the camels arrive. <laughs> then God's grace arrives. Then God's goodness arrives. And as we take, I love this bit, as we take more and more, more and more of all these insecurities disappear more Holy Spirit more and you know we leak as well so we have to keep every day asking for more and more until God sees us as pure and as clean and as a perfect bride of Jesus but that's not the best bit 
that's not the best bit. The best bit is this. Look at this. Look at this. They don't go back in. That one does. Come on. When the Holy Spirit is in our lives, when we're exercising His love, all the things that hold us back disappear. I love God so much. More and more. And more and more. And just in case that's not enough, I had another jug ready because it's limitless. It's endless, his grace and his love. He starts with imperfect people and he works with us through our fears and our insecurities to make us whole because that is the mission of the Holy Spirit to work in you to make you ready for Christ. So, we've got back to the beginning. In the words of Rebecca, let's go. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Let's climb on the camel. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and say, God, I am so full of insecurities. This is just, my life is just so rubbish at times. I'm so full of fears. I'm just not good enough. Come. make me right so I want to ask you this morning are you ready to say let's go are you ready this morning to say yes Holy Spirit come and as the Holy Spirit comes he will bring his gifts he will bring his love and he'll bring a knowledge that Jesus values his bride Jesus loves his bride so much so that he gave his own life to know you shall we just pray for many in this room that is news and information we've known for many years but Lord make it real to us again today if this is the first time you've heard something like that, then I'd just invite you just to ask God, what next? What does this mean for me? Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me new again. Take away my fears. Take away my ill health. Take away my worries. Bring your gifts.